0: For decades now, we've been hearing that ultra conservative interpretations of Islam fueled by hundreds of billions of dollars in oil revenue and exported by Saudi Arabia across the globe has had a fundamentally transformative effect on Islam and religion throughout the Muslim world. But to date, this has never actually been systematically studied. My name is Peter Mandeville and I'm the editor of the new book Wahhabism and the World, Understanding Saudi Arabia's Global Influence on Islam, recently released by Oxford University Press. This book is the first comprehensive academic treatment of the whole question of Saudi Arabia's export of Wahhabism, the ultra-conservative strain of Islam uh, that is inherent to the Arabian Peninsula. Now, this question of Saudi Arabia's export of Wahhabism is something that's been discussed and debated for decades and decades. And generally, it's a very politicized topic. Uh, For many years, allies of Saudi Arabia would argue that religious influences emanating from the kingdom were nothing more than a fairly conservative interpretation of Islam, but really had no impact beyond that. On the other hand, enemies of Saudi Arabia would often argue that Islam exported out of the kingdom was directly linked to terrorism and a major driver of militancy and violent extremism. Indeed, they would argue that groups like Al-Qaeda and ISIS were effectively generated by Saudi Arabia's export of its particular interpretation of Islam. This question is one that's been very personal to me for a long time. I was born and raised in Saudi Arabia, the third generation of my family to live in the kingdom as American expatriates. And for a long time, I'd been hearing these stories about Saudi Arabia's Wahhabi export activity. And at first, I didn't really lend them much credence because I tended to associate them with a certain kind of political perspective on Saudi Arabia. But as I, in my professional research, began to travel around the Muslim world to visit Muslim majority and minority settings in Europe, in the Middle East, in Southeast Asia, in West Africa and South Asia, everywhere I went, I eventually encountered some version of a story that went something like this, when people would tell me that they used to interpret and understand and practice Islam one way, a way that was kind of more locally authentic, um, and reflective of local religious culture and history. But then they would tell me at some point the, the, the money from Saudi Arabia would start to arrive um, and things would start to change. And, and I encountered some version of this story so frequently that I began to realize there was something there that needed to be explored. Um, and so hence the creation of this book, um, the book, is an analysis of the history and the evolution and the structure of what we call Saudi religious transnationalism. It looks at all of the major actors and entity and institutions and organizations that are involved in Saudi religious export activity and it also includes comprehensive country case studies of nine different countries that have been on the receiving end of Saudi religious transnationalism. We include Indonesia, Kyrgyzstan, Uh, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Ethiopia, the Sahel region of West Africa, Egypt, Bosnia, and the United Kingdom. So, what are some of our findings? Well, briefly, uh, it's a very complicated and complex issue. Um, There is no centrally planned Wahhabi export Uh, strategy that Saudi Arabia pursues. Uh, That said, it is very clear that at different points in time, the Saudi royal family and the Saudi government has found it to be very useful for Saudi Arabia's own geopolitical interests to deploy religion as an instrument of statecraft. When this activity first started in the 1960s, it was targeted at countries like Egypt in order to compete with the secular nationalist pan-Arabist ideology Um, headed by and associated with figures like Gamal Abdel Nasser and the idea that you could use Islam to sort of push back against that. Um, After the Iranian Revolution in 1979, Saudi Arabia began to rely on religious export activity in order to compete with Iran and Tehran's claims uh, to be the leader of the uh, Muslim world. We also have to recognize that there is no single source of Saudi religious export activity. There are a diverse range of actors and institutions within the kingdom of Saudi Arabia involved in this activity. Much of it flows through third-party mediators, uh, so money that ends up reflecting the agenda of other groups that are part and parcel of managing the various infrastructures and organizations through which religious uh, causes are supported with Saudi money. It's also, I think, worth recognizing that over recent years, Saudi export, religious export activity has reduced. And instead, what we're seeing really are the legacy effects of decades of activity.